G'day, welcome to the Offsiders Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. We hope you enjoy. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at the Offsiders Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Cheers, guys. Hey, guys. Uh, welcome back to the Offsiders Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, this is episode seven. Today we'll be discussing game week five and all the events that happened through it. We're discussing the big six games. Not going into too much detail, just giving you a big recap of what's, what went down. Um, and we'll be starting off with Sasha. So I'm going to be covering the Liverpool-Crystal Palace game. It was it was an interesting game actually because although the, the scoreline, uh, which was obviously 3-0, I'll get into the actual summary of the events now. Although that would lead you to believe that Liverpool absolutely dominated the game, I really felt that Crystal Palace could have been in this game. Um, it started off very, very quickly with Crystal Palace having two very crazy chances within the first like three minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, one of them was a lovely, lovely ball from almost the halfway line back over into the box. Zaha manages to get almost like a knee or a shin to it. Um, and it bounces over Allison's head. He manages to run back and just tip it until it hits the post and bounces out. It was so close. Um, and the other one, pretty much just as close. Um, Benteke should have finished it. I think he hit the post. And then uh, we had the, the first actual goal of the game come through uh, Sadio Mane. Um, lovely ball through. Um, deflected off of the keeper. Mane almost like does a full 180 turn and shoot over the, chips it over the keeper into the goal, uh, no problem. Uh, then followed shortly afterwards by um, a Mo Salah goal because who else would score in a Liverpool game? Um, a typical Salah goal. I mean, ball falls to him in the box. First times it's lovely, lovely um, finish straight into the the near post. Uh, beats the keeper because just the sheer power that he hit that ball with. Um, and yeah, 2-0. Um, and then the final goal of the game came uh, from a very unlikely source. A uh, man who didn't even start the game and doesn't start a lot of uh, Liverpool's games, Naby Keita. Um, the, there was a bit of a, a weird thing going on in the box ball, sort of going back and forth between two teams. Uh, they managed to hit it out and it falls just perfectly to Keita, who first times it, he shins it a little bit, but also a pretty sweet volley. Um, Underrated? Question mark. Uh, honestly, he was very good that game. I thought yeah, should be starting. Um, should be starting. He, he yeah. should in that midfield for sure. Um, but yeah, he he manages to hit it on a, a a fairly clean volley from outside the box, straight to the other side of the goal from an angle. Um, just an absolutely lovely strike. The fact that the keeper got a touch to it makes it even crazier because. From outside the box to hit something that even the keeper can't save is, is a bit Crazy. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, very good goal. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, not much else happened. There was uh, some some penalties that could have been a pen, couldn't have been a pen uh, on, on uh, Crystal Palace's side. Um, I didn't think either of them really had uh, any weight to it. Um, and then uh, what I wanted to say was Liverpool... It was a strange game because Liverpool defended very well. I think Konate had a very good game. Van Dijk, you know, he's Van Dijk. He was decent. Uh, Tsimkas, Milner, everyone did decently. But um, it, it, somehow still Crystal Palace, and I think this speaks more to Crystal Palace's quality than Liverpool at all. Uh, Crystal Palace managed to create 
some crazy, crazy chances. Um, even through that solid, solid Liverpool backline. Like, the score, if Crystal Palace put away all their chances, could have been like 6-3 mm. to Crystal Palace. Easily. It's stuff you like to see, to be honest. Yeah, honestly, they're looking very, very scary this season. Um, so, yeah, a good performance from Liverpool, great performance from Palace, maybe deserved a bit more than uh, a 3-0 loss, for sure. Um, yeah, exciting stuff from both teams. to uh, the Tottenham and Chelsea game. <clears throat> Obviously probably the most anticipated game of the weekend. Yeah. I think any London derby uh, gets some some kind of hype around it. Um, and it was nice to see it the last game of the weekend kind of capping off on an exciting note. I think, again, it's similar similar fashion to the, the Liverpool Crystal Palace game where 3-0 to Chelsea wasn't probably the best um, reflection of the actual game. Um, the first half was so so entertaining and it was really really nice to see Nuno's um, Nuno Espirito Santos's men um, play like the way they did I think they they they, they played such an attractive style of football where they were um, their passing was was so quick it was it was through the lines they exploited the space so so well you could see the best use of Son Kane again I'm re- I, I, I don't know what he's just dropped off the face of the earth it's it's very definitely, I think we say this every single week. It's, it looks like a man who doesn't want to play for the club anymore. You know? yeah. I mean, he yeah. said it. He said he doesn't exactly. want to play for the yeah. club, and yeah. everyone's surprised that he looks like he doesn't want to and play for he, the club. And just on the pitch, he's just he, he's nowhere. You know, he's he's not interested. Exactly, Honestly. he's not active. He's not. I, I want to ask you a question. Do you think him leaving and what's coming out publicly and saying he wants to leave? Do you think that's affected his teammates around him? Maybe. Not wanting to give him the ball, or I even, think, even I think sub- could, definitely. subconsciously. Yeah. Just. I mean, the other game, he he literally had like what was it like one touch or zero touches zero in touch the box, yeah. and that that does show that no one passed him, yeah. yeah. or at least he didn't get the pass. I exactly. mean, if you think about it, if someone's telling you, "I don't want to be here anymore," mm-hmm. I don't want to play with you. Exactly. Are you gonna think to yourself, "I don't want to play with you anymore"? Yeah. In, yeah. 90, in ninety minutes, zero touches in the box is not. There's no ways he just got in the wrong position yeah, for that offense. Offense. Like yeah. this, and especially with a striker like Kane, who's yeah. so clinical with positioning, yeah, exactly. especially. One thing saying he's a shit striker, but another thing just saying that he's completely uninterested. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's uh, I think the Kane situation is one to monitor. But that being said, I think Son stood up really, really well, especially in this game. Um, and I think it was a really smart move by uh, Nuno to play him up against Thiago Silva. Um, who in the first half really looked like an old man. I think his, <laughs> I think his, I think his, his, his 36 years of age really showed against Son, yeah. where there were, um, especially um, in Dombele and, and the, the, the rest of the, the, the top of the midfield were pingy balls over the top. And he, uh, Son was absolutely outpacing Thiago Silva all day long. Yeah. And I think he was, um, Son was unlucky to get, um, to get a couple of chances. Uh, Reguilon as well, same thing. He played on the, the left hand side and it would have been um, on the right hand side of the centre back, which which we, which is where Thiago was situated, and he just he just ran at him. You know, I think we've seen um, Reguilon's pace before, and it showed again today, especially against against um, a slow turning Thiago Silva. Um, then they came out into the second half, um, so I think it was very definitely Tottenham based, very de- very, very definitely Tottenham based in the first half, and then they came into the second half, and then. Uh, I don't know what Tuchel said to them in, in the change room, but he he did he something right. good, like a war speed treatment for sure. <laughs> because Optimus they Palmer came out absolutely banging. Um, and obviously, 
me talking nonsense about Thiago Silva. He had an absolutely, completely different second half where instead of being ran at, he sat off and he, he took the runners on a lot better than he had the previous half. Um, and I think this just speaks to the fact that, honestly, in my opinion, that Tuchel is the best manager in the league. Yeah. I think there's no doubt about it. It's just his man management and the way that he adapts to the game, what needs to be done, is, is, is significantly better than anyone else in the Premier League. And then, first goal, scored by Thiago. Um, fantastic header from a corner. He just got his whole noggin onto it, you know, and just blasted into the bottom corner. It was a really, really good finish. Um, and then soon after that, the pressure that, that Chelsea had been mounting and mounting and mounting, um, an unlikely assistant in Kovacic, um, and, uh, assistant uh, in Golo Conte, with, again, also a lucky goal, with massive deflection of Dyer. But, I mean, a goal is a goal nonetheless. It was nice to see Conte score. I mean, you don't often see him, and that, that big smile of his was And he deserves it. Exactly. Know, what a hard player. Yeah. Who doesn't love to see Conte? Who doesn't love to see? I think um, Lukaku played a good a good cameo in this game. He did really, really well um, to, to kind of keep the back line occupied. He really he took a lot of the, the distraction off of, of the other Chelsea players because obviously you are, you want to keep all your eyes on him. Um, again, I can't shout about this dude, but he's just he's fantastic. He's been just, proving his worth. It just shows how much of a complete forward he is. He exactly. doesn't just score yeah. goals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then finally finishing off with uh, Antonio Rudiger goal. Also, an underrated an underrated sister in Timo Werner because Werner subbed on for Havertz um, and. I think that Havertz has been underperforming this season so far. He's been doing okay. I don't think he's been having a particularly proper output. Um, but yeah, I think it was a, it was a fantastic second half performance from from Chelsea, and just putting Tottenham to the sword where Chelsea adapted, Tottenham couldn't. So yeah. yeah. And if I could just add one thing, I actually spoke to Luke about it a couple of days ago, where I was telling him um, that Marcus Alonso was someone who I thought was kind of underappreciated and yeah. and personally I thought that especially in the first half against uh, Tottenham he, he really did some incredible things yeah. um, I know he didn't score but at the end of the day he had some great shots on target and and he was doing some really cool things and and I get that he's not the best player and and he's kind of he's, he's coming to the end of his days but at the end of the day I think he's still a solid performer and and he does what he needs to do he's really decent I, I, I remember an interview where when Hazard was at Chelsea how Hazard was saying that often he would get on the ball and he would look up and Alonso would be in front of him. <laughs> yeah. And he was saying how I'd always tell him at like half time or after the game, and it's like, listen, you're playing left back. You need to be behind me. Yeah. But man, just, just non-stop up and down that left-hand side. Okay, moving on next to... Uh, the United the, and West Ham game. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Lots to talk so, about. L- lots time. to talk about. Um, it's not the way I would have liked it to go, obviously. Um, but at the end of the day, we won, so g- good for us. Uh, we started the game <laughs> with with uh, West Ham scoring. Um, not a, not in my opinion a good goal. It was a deflection. Uh, really left De Gea in the. No way, like he was confused. Um, at the end of the day, you know, Ben Rama was, was open. There was no one on him. You saw the United players rushing to him, but, but too late. The, you know, at that point, I don't know. But to say that, you know, we, we, after that, I think we clicked. You know, uh, I think Oli in the little microphone said to everyone, if you don't wake up, you know, 
going to get your asses handed to you. Um, obviously, Ronaldo then came in with a goal. And a lot of people are going to tune, oh, it was a tapping goal. But at the end of the day, he's the one who created the opportunity for himself. You know, you had a, you had that beautiful cross in and he, he managed to get it first time and it bounced off the keeper and he was there again to put it in. And that's exactly what Ronaldo's there to do. So when you, people come and they say, oh, Ronaldo's just getting these tapping goals. At the end of the day, he's there and he's doing his job of getting these goals how in. Do you, how do you think he's scored, like, what's it, over 700 goals? There you go. His club, exactly. Like, <laughs> they don't always have to be these fantastical Scoring, goals. Yeah. You know, Winning 3-0 with tappings is the same as winning 3-0 with worldies. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and then a relatively ugh, boring... Uh, rest of the, the half nothing too exciting honestly West Ham putting a lot of pressure on United um, and again it's so typical of United to do this where against teams where you'd expect us to do much better we're kind of buckling under pressure we're doing silly things unfortunately Maguire is doing some funny things again at the back there where he leaves the rest of the defenders in this complete state trying to impress Varane <laughs> trying to impress Varane being, trying to be the captain of Ronaldo you know um, but I mean, I think I think no better way to to end off the game with a, a, a Lingondino goal. You know, <laughs> you know he's coming off the bench, and, and everyone's everyone's getting the shivers because obviously we saw the game against Young Boys and we saw what he did and fantastic assist. F- yeah, <laughs> fantastic assist for the Young Boys team. But it's stuff we love to see. You know, when Lingard comes on and he's putting his heart and his soul. Uh, into the game and a great goal considering he's playing against his ex-team um, so that was quite interesting in the in the last minute they absolutely slotted the goal and um, late drama um, what seemed like a countless uh, penalty shots uh, you had your Ronaldo uh, penalty shot where it seemed like Ronaldo threw a tantrum very very debatable all, all the penalty shots um, I, I think obviously from different perspectives you're going to get a lot of different angles and opinions about these shots. But you had your Ronaldo uh, penalty shot, then it goes right across the field, um, then to the West Ham penalty shot, and then basically not too long after going back to the United side, um, or rather the West Ham side, where Ronaldo gets another penalty shot. Um, obviously none of the penalties handed out um, during this time. And um, yeah, I, I, it's again, something to debate amongst yourselves because at the end of the day, everyone's going to have their different opinions on whether they think they're penalties or not. I personally think that the sec I think it was the second one, definitely a penno for, for Ronaldo. Yeah. And then obviously in the the last dying minutes of the game we get a, a final penalty shot. Um, where you have Mark Noble who's coming on in the dying minutes of the game to to take the penalty shot and he he, he has an incredible uh, penalty record, not having missed one of his penalties since what was it, two thousand and seven? Eight. 2008. Crazy, crazy. Against, uh, against a hair who hasn't saved a penalty since 2015. Yeah, crazy stuff. So, I mean, he's being brought onto the field specifically to take this penalty. You're expecting him to score, and what happens? Dave saves the day. I mean, to say the least, I was I was pissing my pants with excitement when I saw that that happened. And you could see it in the, the United players um, all running up to congratulate Dave. And uh, exactly what we needed, because at the end of the day, you know, if we want to keep in contention with the title race, these, you are, know, the these are the happen. matches that we have to win. And if we had landed up with a 2-0 draw, it's not setting us up well for the rest of the season. So yeah, yeah exciting game. Lots, lots happening. Um, and yeah.
finally moving on to the Arsenal Burnley game for Luke. Okay, so game ended one 0 to Arsenal, and just look, just looking at the score, it doesn't really tell the full story of the game because I think first half Arsenal were definitely a dominant team, really pushing Burnley back, and then I think it was Saka who got his heels taken out just on the edge of the box, then just a Messi-esque crisp free kick from Odegaard into was the top left corner and from from that from then on you you think that gives Arsenal that that confidence to go and score some more in after half time but that wasn't so <laughs> as uh, Burnley then came came out firing in their standard 4-4-2 and just completely dominated Arsenal in that second half it didn't give them an inch of space and I think Burnley ended the game with having 18 shots and I think Arsenal only had 13. Crosses. And to top that even off even more, 13 of those 18 shots from Burnley were inside Arsenal's box. Yeah, crazy. But that, that being said, Arsenal held on that entire game. And uh, Ramsdale had a fantastic game in goal. Um, Tomiyasu also a solid game. Lovely. And I think this game definitely, after losing their first three games in a row, and then having a one 0 win against Norwich and now a one 0 win against Burnley, you just you just have a feeling now that after these two these two wins and keeping clean sheets in both games, that Arsenal now picking up some confidence, especially now going against I think it's a London derby against Spurs yeah. next game, and Spurs also I mean after getting thrashed by Chelsea this weekend they want to look to bounce back yeah, and now they're going to have their, their playing boots on you know yeah. like really I think it's going to be hopefully a good game between the teams and. Yeah, some confidence for Arsenal going into the next week. Okay, now we're moving on to our final segment of the day. We're going to chat about our decisions for team of the week. Um, we're going to start off with goalkeeper, obviously, from the back. Um, we're going to start with Luke. Okay, for our team of the week goalkeeper, we're going to go with Lucas Fabianski. Man put in a solid performance. Uh, unfortunate to concede the two goals that he did unlucky with the rebound that went back to Ronaldo but man made eight saves four diving saves six of them were inside of his own box and one fantastic save fingertips onto the post and just really kept West Ham in the game for majority of the time hard working the whole game to say the least Okay, uh, next we move on to our first defender, which will be our right side of defender, it's going to be Matty Cash. Uh, yeah, so Matty Cash uh, obviously got uh, one of the goals for Villa. Um, quite a crazy run uh, through the defence. Uh, almost looked a lot like Jack Grealish, because Matty Cash himself looks a lot like Jack Grealish. I thought I thought Grealish was, was back on the pitch with that headband. <laughs> um, but a very Grealish-esque goal as well. Um, and he just put up a, a, an absolutely stunning display. I mean... Uh, just uh, 70% pass accuracy, uh, seven duels won, uh, two clearances, uh, four dribbles attempted and two of them successful, uh, fouled once, um, tackles attempted, 100% accuracy. It was just, it was a, a solid performance at the back and offered something going forward. Can't ask for more from a fullback. Okay, our first centre back, we're going to talk about Shane Duffy. Um, I think. What made him stand out this week was was the fact that Leicester was so attacking and they, 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 
Leicester going forward is, is, is quite scary. Um, he did get an assist for the uh, for the, the penalty. He was the one who, who sent the cross in and obviously went to first to God's arm. But his stats also were, were fantastic. I think his defensive stats were, were really, really good. He won six duels. He only lost one duel. He had seven clearances, seven headed clearances. I mean, the man's an absolute uh, unit in the air. He's just, he's huge. Um, he had one block shot, which is obviously crucial. Um, he had two, two, two tackles attempted, uh, one successful, four aerials won, and one and only one aerial lost. So I think um, just a, a block for Brighton, especially for, for a team that's, that's doing so well, it's good to have someone solid at the back that they can rely on week in and week out. So Shane Duffy made our team of the week this week. Okay, our next uh, centre-back, next to Shane Duffy, will be uh, Van Dijk. I think it's it's hard to leave this man out of a team of the week, Scott, especially when he's in form like he is. Um, obviously kept um, Liverpool in the game. A bit of a shaky start, but he was he was decent throughout the rest of the game. He got an assist. He took one shot. 89% pass accuracy. Uh, he made seven duels. He won seven duels. He didn't didn't miss a single a single tackle. Five clearances, two headed clearances. I mean, with his heart, it's, it's hard to to not head head balls out. Um, and one interception with six recoveries. So I mean, it just again like the same as the same as Duffy. Just a really really solid um, performance from him, making sure that his team didn't concede early against a, a strong Crystal Palace side who were putting a lot of pressure on them early in the game and had the opportunity to go ahead. Um, but didn't because of his performance, p- potentially because of his performance. Okay, moving on to our left-sided um, defender, we're going to look at Marcus Alonso. So yeah, Marcus Alonso, a hard worker, to say the least in my opinion, um, doing bits on the left-hand side, they're really pushing up, kind of like what I see uh, Luke Shaw kind of vibes going up there, you know, really pushing up high, uh, creating opportunity down the left-hand side. Um, he had a 8.4 rating, incredible stuff. He played the full 90 minutes. He actually had a 0.5 uh, goal expectancy, which for a left back is, I mean, you know, say less. Um, he had one assist. Um, he had four shots on target um, and 47 accurate passes with a 90% pass accuracy. Uh, again, just, I mean, if that doesn't speak volumes, I don't know what does. And uh, yeah, we'll move on to the midfield, starting off with Keita. Okay, so Kato obviously he didn't start the game. He only came on in the 62nd minute. But so he had 28 minutes to play and he really got into the game when he came on. Basically a super sub. Pretty much. Uh, he, only had, he only had two shots. And I believe the, fir- the first one was a shot blocked and the second one. Sure. Oh my god. <laughs> Probably the all of the season contender. Just a wonder volley. Just curved all the way into that r- bottom right just superb and then just offered so much going forward for Liverpool I think when you just compare it to how much time he had I think when you look at the stats like that uh, for, what, for, what, yeah, for the time he had and for what he did contribute oh, to the team and honestly just for that goal yeah. oof, gosh stunner okay moving on to our second midfielder we've got uh, Martin Odegaard so I think a player who's who's um, thankfully finding his feet in a, in a, in a struggling side um I think you can't you can't start off talking about him without mentioning his his, his fantastic free kick. I mean, it was it was lovely. It was up and over, perfect height, just skimmed the top of the heads of Prime the Messi free kick. Exactly. I mean, it was it was beautiful. So and also, I mean, game winning a game winning goal. What a way to do it! Um, and then his stats also backed it up. Um, he's working so brilliantly with Thomas Partey when they're both fit um, in a double pivot kind of move for for Arsenal, and we can see that through his stats with 
52 accurate passes with 24 in his, in, in his own half and 24 in the opposition half. So he's definitely making progressive passes and he's getting into the right position. Um, he made a total of 62 with 84% pass accuracy. He made one cross, four long balls, uh, two accurate long balls and two key passes. He had 67 touches. He wasn't really great defensively, unfortunately, but that's not his role. He's not expected to do that. That's where Partey comes and cleans up uh, with three duels, one and five lost. One clearance, one block shot, which is also very important. One dribble attempted, one dribble succeeded. Uh, and yeah, so I think it was just really good a really good attacking midfield option for him this week. Um, and yeah, so just lost him nicely. Moving on to uh, Kovacic. Uh, Kovacic uh, had a stunning game um, in the in the centre of the park for Chelsea. Really looks like he's pushing to make himself undroppable in that uh, that really stacked Chelsea midfield. Um, Tuchel, after the last two performances, is definitely going to be considering Kovacic's place in the team, I think. Um, he had the most tackles in the game uh, with four. Um, but that wasn't even the highlight of his performance. I mean, one assist, uh, 0.5 expected goals, 88% pass success, um, two chances created, uh, one one shot, you know, like 53 accurate passes with 34 of those coming in the opposition half. Uh, just uh, honestly outstanding um, stats from the center of the park. Looked energetic, um, really, really helped Chelsea's play through. Um, definitely, definitely going to have to consider it, especially with Havertz and Mount struggling in that Chelsea side. Just something like Kovacic previously, he had only he had only managed um, eight assists, and in two weeks he's got two. So I think under um, Tuchel, he's definitely found different a different position that might be working better for him. So. Yeah, as I said, more more passes in the in the in the opponent's half than in his own half this game. So definitely looking to work further up the pitch. Uh, next, we're going to go on to uh, the attackers, starting with Alan Saint Maximum. Yeah, um, again, another really hard worker, just relentless, never giving up. Uh, if he loses the ball, he's back at it, and, and even when he's attacking, you know, he never gives up. He played a full 90 minutes, had a 7.9 rating. His stats weren't the best, I guess. He had one goal, uh, 0.28 goal expectancy, which which isn't the best, but again, I mean, he, he got one one goal. He had a 100% shot accuracy with five of, uh, five shots. Um, and he had a good uh, pass success of 75%. So, not the best in stats, but I mean, again, when you see this man on the field, you see how hard he works, and the things that he does is because you can see that he really loves to be there, and he loves what he does, and um, yeah, he's doing his, doing the most. I think he makes the most out of nothing, especially in a Newcastle side that's so boring. Yeah. You know, they're just so, ugh, playing five at the back, you yeah. really can't expect him to keep going. He's the only one that has it, he, a I mean, something to do. It feels like he's up there by himself, but somehow exactly. he manages to do it all and by himself. I mean, his himself. goal was complete solo. He took on basically the entire yes. team. He, legit, he legitimately plays at the exact same level that Jack Grealish was playing for Aston Villa yeah, yeah. in the same sort of system, yeah. except Jack Grealish arguably had more help. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think he could go for more than 100 million. So I think I think unfortunately stats don't don't speak volumes, but his performances, his watching him play, it's just it, it's it's amazing. He's such, and it, and such it's a and it, I mean it's not just in the in this last game. You, you we've seen him over the the past uh, five games. This man has been working up there by his solo. Doesn't need anyone else. If Newcastle had a striker, a tall enough striker that just could put in those headed crosses and yeah. could just finish off the chance that he creates. Man's going to be flying up if there. If Andy Carroll was Absolutely. 10 years younger, they're flying. <laughs> yeah. um, so then we're moving on to Rafinha, 
who, uh, on the other end of the pitch, uh, against Newcastle, had basically an Alan St. Maximum performance. Um, except his stats do back it up somewhat more because he uh, actually got the Man of the Match award um, that game. Uh, he got, obviously, the other goal in the 1-1 draw with Newcastle. Um, you know, 71% uh, pass accuracy, 75% shot accuracy, uh, five shots um, with uh, five of those being blocked or hitting the woodwork. Um 24 accurate passes um just honestly the stats don't even say it as much as just watching him play i mean he was running through that newcastle defense all game just tirelessly and he's only 24 years old it's scary to think of how good he's going to be in the future and then capping off our players uh we have ismailia saar for watford a funny stat he was the only player this game week to score a brace um and he did so against norwich and honestly i think he's just before he was when he was previously in the, in, in the Premier League two seasons ago, he had he was he was stunning. Went down to the Championship, which is obviously a lot more of a defensive style. Still performed really really well, um, and he's brought that that same kind of pace back into the Premier League with with the newly promoted side. Um, he had one point five seven expected goals and scored two, which means that uh, he overperformed, which is I mean great for him. And I think especially for 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 a young winger like that, it's always good to see those stats. Again, in, in a team where it feels like he's doing most of the work. Yeah. After, you know. I think Watford less so than, 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 than teams like um, Castle. Newcastle and so on, who are a little bit more attacking, but, but definitely yeah. I think he's a, a, a shining light in that, that um, Watford side. His passes were, were decent, especially for a right wing. I mean, he made 27 passes, um, all, almost all of them in the opposition half, which is what, what you like to see with 93% pass accuracy. He had four crosses, four long, ball, four long balls, four accurate long balls. Um, and his defensive work wasn't terrible either. He had five duels, one, and five lofts. So, I mean, uh, here and there. Give so, for a right winger, the output is fantastic. Um, five dribbles attempted, five succeeded, which is also just amazing. Like, he's an absolute ticker with the ball. He's just, just breaking ankles left, right, and center. So, great to see. And then, yeah, so just a really, really good all-round performance and two, two decent goals from, from a, a promising winger. And then... Capping off our team of the week, we have our manager. So, I think there was a lot of good uh, management over this weekend, especially with a couple comebacks and from half-time, but I think you have to give it to Tuchel. I mean, I don't know what, what he would have said to that Chelsea side at half-time. I mean, I'm just imagining like this Optimus Prime kind of speech happening. <laughs> like like ca- Captain America, America Avengers know, speech. That kind of stuff. Honestly, like, they were like a completely different side. Yeah, they absolutely. Came out, came out in the second half absolutely thundering and just really showed how dangerous a side they can be. And I think you just got to give it to Tuchel's man management to just completely change that side over just half-time. Yeah. I mean, I think he's. I think his interaction and his relationship with the players yeah. is really is something different. Like yeah. you see the way he interacts um, on on the training field, on the on the actual game fields, and, and it, yeah, again, it, it looks like he really loves what he's doing, and and he and he is excited to get his players to do well as they would be. And I think also he's, he's very definitely not afraid to adapt. He can see, identifies issues, and he, he he's so willing to change his system entirely to sort those issues out. Where some managers, most managers, are <coughs> so. <laughs> I mean, lots even um, even Klopp. Um, Klopp is is, is with his man management isn't great. Um, Arteta is shocking. He just he thinks his, his, his system is going to work when it doesn't, <laughs> and he's just too scared to change it. Whereas Tuchel isn't, and he benefits from it. So, yeah. 
yeah, he makes our team of the week. So yeah. Um, so I think something a little uh, our team of the week uh, is a bit different to other teams of the week that you see out there. We've got some similar players. Yeah, look, it's not it's for us. It's not all about stats. It's more about actually watching the performances yeah, yeah, and yeah. seeing who caught your eyes. That's just Rafinha, say maximum. Stats yeah. don't tell it all. Yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely. Uh, thank you guys so much for for tuning in. Uh, please engage on the socials. Um, we really enjoyed doing this episode, uh, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Cheers. Peace. Cheers. Cheers.